Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and well, technically, there's 17 regular season games for, for every team, but we're about a quarter way into the season. We're going onwards to week four after, you know, three weeks of football. So we're nearly a month into the NFL season. And the NFC West, the division that I cover, well, it remains lit. Um, you have all four teams, arguably in the top 15 for power rankings, whether it's on ESPN, the Athletic, Pro Football Focus, but all four teams are heavy hitters, even though the record might not say otherwise for uh, one particular team. Um, but let's go ahead and look at the division as we go into week four. So you have the Cardinals, the Rams, undefeated, um, arguably top five overall in the NFL in terms of where they stack after three weeks with the Rams 3-0 coming off a very convincing statement win at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for that matter in which they scored early they limited the run game they made the Buccaneers offense one-dimensional got behind and that defense took care of business and so that was a really big win uh, for a team that had, you know, they, they had two wins prior to that, but this was a big statement win for uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that had done it, uh, that was in the Super Bowl the previous year. And maybe the Rams could be uh, playing them in the future for the NFC Championship. Um, but for Stafford to ball out with three touchdowns, 350 yards, um, he's playing stellar. He is a perfect fit for the Rams right now. Uh, very solid win for them. So they go to 3 0. And then you have the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals. I don't know if you guys. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw, but the Cardinals were at Jacksonville. They were big favorites, and at first it looked kind of shaky. Uh, there was one play in particular, as if you guys know, um, where they went for a sixty-plus yard field goal by by the kicker, uh, just a hair short, and Jacksonville. I think his name is Askew, but Askew returned it's like 109 yards all the way back for a touchdown to end in the, the halftime. And the momentum was obviously kind of lost, and a lot of people were just saying, hey, that's the same old Cardinals. I think up to that point, uh, it was like a tie ball game. Don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm just thinking off my memory, but it was a very close game at halftime. Uh, but thankfully, and surprisingly, this Cardinals defense came back against the Jaguars on the road. And you can make a case that in years past, with this sort of momentum breaker allowing a touchdown before halftime, that uh, they would have lost this game in years past. But no, uh, Kyler Murray, for the third week in a row, had a rushing score. He, for the third week in a row, he was doing Kyler Murray things. Had a phenomenal game. And it wasn't there necessarily uh, DeAndre Hawkins this time, but it was nice to see Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, the other receivers stepped up in a big way with 100-plus receiving yards, and they stepped up and scored points. And cherry on the top, Byron Murphy, former second-round pick out of Washington, he had a pick six that really blew this game wide open. And so from that performance, Byron Murphy, he was named, I think, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, He's been off to a really good start, and up to this point, I thought this Cardinals secondary was... Well, still is kind of questionable, on paper at least, but they've been doing their thing. So kudos to the Cardinals. They roll onwards to 3-0. and Conversely, you know, uh, you have the Niners 
Sunday night football. This was a tough, tough game. And especially for me, since I am a Niners fan, they lost in game-winning, time-winning fashion off a field goal. They lost 28-27. to Mind you, um, it was at one point in the first half. The first half was really shitty by the Niners. The Niners were down 17-0. They got the 17-7 right before halftime based off a pretty gutsy call by Kyle Shanahan to put Trey Lance in with two seconds left to run in for the score. They go into halftime 17-7. They go back and forth. Turnovers, they go back. Uh, Jimmy G, had, I think he had two, two turnovers that game. But despite all that, they were able to find a way to come back to take the lead at 27-25. to 25. But then, 37 seconds left, zero timeouts for the Packers. They get footed 37 seconds, and they march down the field off, I don't know what, two, three big plays from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. And they get within field goal range for a Crosby game-winning field goal. So the Packers go on to win 28-27. to If the Niners had been able to maintain that lead, that one-point lead with 37 seconds left and no timeout by the Packers, even if they had won that, I, I would have felt that they kind of stole that game despite being at home because the Packers had outplayed them throughout the game. Uh, Jimmy G presumably had the game-winning drive. You can make a case, too, for their last play for the what was supposed to be the go-ahead touchdown. You can make a case that they should have killed the clock a bit more because there's about 10 seconds left on the play clock. Um, but, yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens when you give Aaron Rodgers time, whether it's 37 seconds, 27 seconds. I don't know. Um, I don't know if the 27 seconds, that 10 seconds difference would have mattered. But the Packers go on top. And the Niners are 2-1. and one. Last but not least, and this is kind of weird to say, but the Seahawks, they're off to a pretty bumpy start at one and two. You have the Seahawks where, you know, they were coming off a pretty tough loss for their home opener against the Titans. Yeah, I mean, they were up two touchdowns against the Titans in week two. Week three at Minnesota, you thought that they would get things back on track. You don't think much of Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook was out this game, so you had Madison with the start. But it was kind of the same thing that you saw that frustrated them the, the, the first couple of weeks. Um, their run defense was bad. Madison ran for like a buck 20. Um, their secondary was, was, well, just look at the stats. Kirk Cousins, uh, was it three, three touchdowns, 320 passing yards, um, hardly touched. I think they had maybe, if that, they might have had a sack. But this defense did not show up. Thielen, Jefferson, they ate. And, you know, I, I just... DK Metcalf had a good game, but not much else. Um, the same story. They'd have a promising first half offensively with points. And then the second half, they didn't make adjustments or they made adjustments that didn't work, but they couldn't finish this game. So the Seahawks, when you look at their game, it was another disappointing one. Back-to-back losses, which is just... This was a must-win game for them. They didn't. I think every game's a must-win game, but to lose 30-17 to to the Vikings without Devin Cook speaks volumes to the level of frustration for this defense. So Cardinals, Rams 3-0, Niners 2-1, and the Seahawks 1-2. So let's look into week four ahead. And it makes my life easier to talk only about two games this week in the NFC West because 
All four teams are playing one another in the division. There are two divisional games, and it just so happens that both of them start at the same time, 105 Pacific Standard Time. So it's going to make it a little bit tough for me. Uh, I'm going to, I'm in SoCal right now for a wedding. My plan is to go to a bar in Tustin with multiple TVs and watch both games simultaneously. Um, even though I'm going to be pulling more for the Niners Seahawks game, the Cardinals Rams game is is going to be really intense. I mean, both teams undefeated at three and zero. One team will co- go four and zero. The other one will go three and one. So first and second place, presumably, and then. Conversely, for that Niners and Seahawks game, a Seahawks team one and two, a Niners team two and one, whoever loses that game goes to last place because even if the Niners were to lose and get a two and two record, the Seahawks would have, well, with the matchup, the tiebreaker. So two and two, Seahawks third, Niners fourth. But if the Niners are able to do it and beat the Seahawks, even though this is a really hungry Seahawks team that plays well against the Niners, then if the Seahawks were to lose, they would go to one and three, and that's a pretty big rut, especially in the NFC West, especially for a division with a four and O team, whether it be the Cardinals or the or the Rams. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so we have two games within the division. Let's go ahead and talk about it. I'll go ahead and talk about. Let's talk about the first one since I'm in LA right now or Orange County. Let's go ahead and talk about the big game at hand between two undefeated teams in the Cardinals and the Rams, okay? So when you look at this game, let me check the line. It is at SoFi Stadium, so it's at LA Rams. Rams are favored by four and a half over under 54 and a half. So yeah, no, I I get what the line makers are going at. They're assuming it's going to be one of the highest scoring games of the week. Let me double check. That is the highest over under of this week 54 and a half it's supposed to be a lit game and it, it really can be uh, because you know as much as i like uh the rams defense uh, kyler murray he, he's been balling okay mentioned before three rushing touchdowns or rushing touchdowns in every game so far if he were to get another rushing touchdown this week i think he would break a record uh, a franchise record for a quarterback for four consecutive rushing touchdowns uh, to start off the season, he's been playing stellar. Um, this offense has been turning along. Maybe not necessarily their running game, and you know, I'll be intrigued to see what the Rams do because their secondary has been elite up to this point. Uh, their interior pass rush with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. So the matchup that I'm really intrigued to see is DeAndre Hopkins against Jalen Ramsey. Now I know that Jalen Ramsey plays the star role. He's kind of all over the field per se, but. You know, when push comes to shove, that is the matchup I want to see uh, of who wins. DeAndre Hopkins, he's been, well, I won't, I won't say he's off, but last week, you know, he had an, uh, a rib injury. He was questionable to play. He does miss games. He played the game. He was out there. He just, um, he didn't get the love. It was Christian Kirk. It was A.J. Green that got the love. But nonetheless, DeAndre Hopkins, Jalen Ramsey, these are two players that they traded for, two players for each respective team where it's worked tremendously based off the return on their investment for their their draft capital that they gave up. So to see that, that's always going to be a really fun matchup to watch. And, you know, for for Kyler Murray, you know, Aaron Donald, um, Kyler Murray up to this point, he's been able to get his way with most defenses. Last year, especially in the second half of the season, his shoulder 
was lingering with an injury. And so he was not the same color Murray that you were accustomed to seeing. But right now he's healthy. Right now he's doing his thing. Can this Rams defense get to Kyler Murray? They certainly can. They certainly can. I mean, especially with Aaron Donald pushing up the uh, up the middle. But I, I want to see how this goes. Um, Odds makers are, are thinking it's going to be a high-scoring game. That it won't necessarily matter. And you've seen a lot of promise from not just Hopkins, but it seems like from the attention that Hopkins gets, you know, old man A.J. Green had 115 receiving yards. Christian Kirk, his fourth career 100-yard receiving game. So it seems like they're able to spread the the ball around and make no mistake too shout out to the rookie Rondale Moore uh he's been he's been a pleasant surprise he leads I think he leads rookies in in yards after the catch um I don't quote anyways uh he's he's playing really well and so that should be really fun to watch on the other side of the field when the Rams take over the ball Stafford is playing at a MVP level right now it seems like he can make all the throws Sean McVay is He's like a kid at the candy store right now in terms of his play calls. While the run game hasn't been as effective because, uh, you know, Hendo, Darrell Henderson was out last week with a rib injury. They used some Sony Michelle. Um, they got some effective yards after contact. Their, their line did okay, but I, I guess it hasn't really mattered as much because Stafford has been playing at such an elite level really making that connection to Cooper Cup. And it was a pleasant surprise to see last week to get Deshaun Jackson, old man Deshaun Jackson, who's 34 years old. Makes me feel kind of old because I'm also 34 and I I say he's an old man. But Deshaun Jackson uh, last week, I think that was, from what I read on the stats, he got a touchdown last week for over 75 yards. That is his 10th time getting a touchdown for 75 yards or over. Which shows, I mean, Deshaun Jackson's still fucking fast. Um, just just wow. And he's still doing his thing. But Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson, they were balling. You haven't seen as much Robert Woods, but this this offense has been it's been excellent up to this point. And a big shout out to McVeigh and Stafford for getting on the same page and schematically giving defenses a lot of hard hard fits. So up to this point, this Cardinals defense you know, week one, you saw Chandler Jones with five sacks and, and really surprised the Titans. Week two, uh, they've been in the mix. Uh, they had a tough one against the Vikings. And then week three, you saw them get a pick six with Byron Murphy. So, yeah, I mean, they're you can say they're in ascending defense. Um, you can also say that they haven't been challenged quite yet vertically in the passing game. And maybe that's where it comes now. I think Stafford has plenty of opportunity to really gauge this Cardinal secondary. So when it's all said and done, I mean, where do I, where do I see this? So Rams four and a half over under fifty four and a half. Divisional game. Divisional games are always fun. Actually, it's been now that I think about the last couple times. Uh, the Rams usually beat the Cardinals. Rams usually beat the Cardinals. Okay, well, Rams are at home. They're rolling. Cardinals are rolling too, but. I'm just not impressed by this Cardinal secondary. I know Byron Murphy had his pick six. They've been playing well. They've been playing um, more mistake-free football, I, I guess. But this Rams team defensively is much better anyways. So push comes to shove. Let's go ahead and put the Rams at 4-0. I have them winning 
defeating the Cardinals. Let's go 30, 34 to 28. 34-28 Rams. It'll be a fun game. It should be an exciting game for everyone to watch. I'll be in SoCal, so I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Rams fans rooting for their team. And yeah, Stafford will continue to have his candidacy as MVP in the league four games into the season. So 34 to 28 Rams. Go ahead and book it. Okay. Makes my life a lot easier. There's only two games for me to talk about, so I can talk into further detail about this game. You have the Seahawks coming off another loss at 1-2. and two. A must-win game for the Seahawks. They're going at Levi Stadium, at San Francisco against the Niners. But at the same time, too, I mean, shoot, the Niners were that close to being 3-0. and And losing the way that they did at home for their first home opener in over a year, because as a reminder, Alameda County in Santa Clara, which is where they play. They play in Santa Clara, not San Francisco. But last year with COVID, they did not allow sporting events at the, at the latter half of the year. So they had to play their home games at Arizona. So it was a really tough loss. It was a lit crowd. I saw it was on Sunday Night Football. But they fell short. And in, you know, just to lose that way, it's just such a sour taste. Um, it was a game where... Um, both sides of the football, offensive line, defensive line, they disappointed against the Packers, and they could have ran away with the game, but they didn't. So um, obviously they're going to be motivated for their second back-to-back home game to, to make men's and make it right. Anytime you play the Seahawks, anytime the Seahawks play the Niners, it's always going to be a tightly contested game. And both teams, it's um, it's pretty interesting, actually, when you look at the comments section, because... With the Seahawks at 1-2, and two, everyone in Seattle land, the 12s, they're calling for Pete Carroll's head right now, saying, like, we're tired of this shit, like, this defense, just everything else. They're, already, they're, they're asking for his head. But at the same time, too, it's not like the Niners. They don't call the, the Niners fandom the 40 Winers for nothing. A lot of people are unhappy with Jimmy Garoppolo up to this point. They want Trey Lance. A lot of people are pissed off at Kyle Shanahan. Like, just, it just goes back and forth. Uh, it goes back to show that all Niners, Seahawks, Rams, I mean, it doesn't matter what fan of a team you are, you know, fans care about their team, and then they will, I won't say they'll never be happy, but they um, they care so much where, you know, it's always top of mind of how can you get this team better or what's wrong with this team, what are we not doing right? So both fan bases are pretty pissed off right now. Both fan bases want to win, obviously, uh, but more so, when they play each other, I mean, this is going to be tightly contested. So let's go ahead and get into the matchups for this game. So when you look at the Seahawks defense, mentioned before, the way they lost to the Vikings, the way Kirk Cousins balled them up in the second half of that game, it was really disappointing. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, this defensive line, they, they spent a good amount this offseason to Retain um, Carlos Dunlap, drafted Capital and Alden Robinson, Darrell Taylor, Kerry Hyder. Like they were presuming that the sum of its pieces would would push through, but so far you really haven't seen that pass rush yet. Their run defense has been room for improvement. 
Madison mentioned before last week against the Vikings. He's Delvin Cook's replacement, and he ran for over 100 yards. Uh, they just weren't able, especially in the second half of a lot of these games, they haven't been able to get themselves, get the get the offense back on the field just to make a play. And it, it's frustrating because it goes both ways. I think that the, the Seahawks secondary, their, their pass defense is ranked 24th, but it's not like the Niners are that much better. They're, they're 21st. But between DJ Reed and Trey Flowers, I mean, they've been... More so Trey Flowers than DJ Reed, but they've been trash. They haven't been good. Um, yeah, it's just it's just been a big mess for this defense. And maybe maybe playing the Niners might be the recipe because I know this this Niners offense has been a bit limited lately. Everyone knows about Jimmy Garoppolo and what he can, more so what he can't do in terms of stretching the field or lack thereof. That's why you saw the Packers last week really sit on the Niners receivers route and the Niners receivers I mean they made some great tough contested catches Debo especially but you know when you know that your quarterback can't throw down the field and you can only you know you can only get from 5 to 15 5 to 20 so you sit on the routes and so it made their job a lot easier um, the safety is like the disrespect they didn't they were right at the line of scrims. They were pretty t- tight against Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, I mean, the Seahawks, they don't have to, I guess they don't have to account for the deep ball as much, right? So maybe their defense is going to be better. Um, but conversely, I mean, what are the Niners going to do for their offense? I mean, everyone knows that. Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure he's, he's not stupid. Uh, I mean, what's, what's he going to do to get this offense going? Because last week, once, once again, first half offense was shit. Came back second half, it was great, but you know when your run game isn't working, when you're down to your fourth string running back and Trey Sermon and uh, a bunch of cast outs, and you're you're putting like Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle as running back for these running plays to get the ball going, it makes it really tough for everything else that he does in this offense. Um, his offense stems off the run game, which stems off a of play action, and that's how he's able to get those big plays. But if you don't have the run game, it makes things tougher, and it's just this big trickle down effect. So for the Seahawks, uh, I don't know if the Niners are going to fix that. I don't know if you're going to get more Trey Lance to keep things interesting, especially since he has shown promise. Very small sample size, but he has shown promise. Um, but I'll be intrigued to see what this Seahawks team can muster up this time around. So defensively for the Seahawks, the big matchup that I'm really intrigued to see, and hopefully it does happen, is Bobby Wagner, their star linebacker against the Niners star tight end, the people's tight end, in George Kittle. So right now, George Kittle, he's been dealing with a calf injury. They thought it was okay at first, but Wednesday, Thursday, it's, it was worse than they expected. He's a big question mark to play. I hope he does play because, you know, you want to have your best players in the game. But Bobby Wagner against George Kittle. George Kittle is a monster yak machine. Duh. But... You know, you want to see him masked up against the best. So Bobby Wagner, George Kittle, that's the matchup that I am watching. Uh, and presumably, too, I mean, the Seahawks run defense, their secondary, it hasn't been good. But for the Snyder's offense that's been kind of limited, can the Seahawks take that that weakness, per se, and get things back on track? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is not mobile. 
Can they get back on track? Can they get some pressure? Can they get some sacks? Can they make it happen? Because up to three weeks, they haven't, okay? Flip side, flip side, flip side, okay? So Niners are on defense. The Seahawks are on offense. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. From what you saw the past couple weeks, uh, not so much for the Eagles. I mean, they did have a 90-yard reception. Um, Jalen Hurts to, to Watkins, which was pretty stellar. But what you saw against the Packers game, I'm sure Russell Wilson, I'm sure DK Metcalf, I'm sure Tyler Lockett, they are licking the chops at the opportunity to feast on this Niners secondary. Uh, the secondary has been Hurts, duh. Jason Vritt is out. EJ, um, EJ Mo- Emmanuel Mosley just came back from injury. Josh Norman is out, uh, punctured lungs. Uh, it was, it's a tough sport. Um, so they signed Bruce uh, Scanley off the streets. You're going to have Lenore, Oregon rookie. He might start. Yeah, so they have a lot of pass work on their secondary. And so maybe this is the key to success and to get this offense going. Russell Wilson to Metcalf to Lock. I don't care, but they got to take advantage of this Niners secondary. Hopefully they can. Hopefully they can. Lockett and Metcalf, last time I checked, they were both questionable. Lockett left the game last week. He came back, leg injury. Metcalf, he's been dealing with some stuff. Both of them should play, but I'm, I'm just saying um, that's a concern. Another thing that is a concern is for the Seahawks offensive line. Offensive line, it's been okay, uh, but Brandon Schell, he's out. You're going to have Jermarco Jones as the right tackle. I'm intrigued to see what the Niners are going to do for a rebound effort because this Niners defensive line, they underperformed last week. They only had one sack against the Packers, and this was a Packers team with a third-string left tackle. One sack against a third-string left tackle. It was patchwork for the offensive line. The Packers, they did a lot of chip blocking. They did a lot of quick throws. That was how they were able to mitigate the pass rush that the Niners presents. And for this Niners pass rush, for a defensive line, that is their bread and butter for their defense. I mean, that is, that is shit. Um, what are the Seahawks going to do? Are they going to do quick passes? Are they gonna do chip? I'm, I'm sure they're going to do something other variety. But, you know, once again, the Seahawks offensive line, they got to hold it down. And the Niners, they got to be better. Uh, they got to be better. That is the key for them to limit the big plays downfield that the secondary might might have because it's going to be a big challenge if both Metcalf and Lockett are playing. I think that historically Metcalf, um, shoot the last, Metcalf has typically had their number, whether it's been over Mosley or some of their other quarterbacks, but Metcalf, deep ball has feasted on them. So things to consider. Last thing I'll say about this game is, you know, for the run game for both of them, Chris Carson, obviously the better back. Um, I don't know who's going to be a running back for the Niners right now. Elijah Mitchell, third rookie, still dealing with his shoulder. Trey Sermon, I guess he's going to get the starts. He wasn't too, he wasn't that great uh, last week against the Packers, but he didn't have that many holes last week too. They signed Carryon Johnson. They, they they signed a whole bunch of guys off the streets. Um yeah, I'm just curious to see what the Niners are going to do, what Kyle Shannon is going to do to roll out for their offense. Because if they, if they stall again in the first half, and the Seahawks do not, because the Seahawks usually, it's it's kind of like complete opposites. So the Seahawks have good first halves. The Niners do not. 
the Seahawks have shit second halves, and the Niners usually come back in the second half. So what is going to happen for this game? Hmm. Well, let me check this. All right, so you have the Niners favored by three, so it's pretty much an even matchup because if both teams are even. You give the home team three points, so it's it's a kind of a toss-up. So you have that. So Niners three against the Seahawks. 51 and a half, a pretty high-scoring game. Uh, oh, man. As much as I would like the Niners to win, and, you know, for all my Niners fans, just you can give me shit later, but as much as I would like the Niners to win, uh, this is a game that the Seahawks need to take. And if the Seahawks take this game, the chatter for Tree Lance it will be deafening uh, because after this, they have a really tight game. In week five against the Cardinals. Oof. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to just say it. Give me the Seahawks 31. Give me the, the Niners 28. Tough game at home. I hope this is not the case because that's the homer in me. But I think that this is a Seahawks team that is desperate, that is hungry, that is mad. Not saying the Niners are not that case. But uh, if the Seahawks team loses to the Niners and they drop to 1-3, they are fucked. So I say just that sheer motivation alone and just knowing that this uh, Niners secondary can be had. Yeah, go ahead and give me the Seahawks 31 to 28, probably in game-winning fashion with the time expiring just to uh, ruin my Sunday. But uh, it's not the cookie, cookie crumbles, I guess. Okay, so anyways, just to wrap it up, I have the Rams over the Cardinals, 34 to 28, and I have the Seahawks over the Niners, 31 to 28. We'll see what happens um, after week four. We'll be one month into the regular season of the NFL, and I think just big picture aside, I always say this to all my friends, like week two is always tough to gauge week three is always tough to gauge in terms of like odds makers and betting and all that but you don't really know how good a team is until about a four game sample size a four game sample size to really see where they are a couple road games here a couple home games some prime time stuff but you put it all together after four games you kind of know where your team's at not saying it's all said and done but you get a good sample size after four weeks so if the Niners struggle with Jimmy Garoppolo again, if uh, the Seahawks really do go to one and three, if Safford remains undefeated and they're they're just balling, I mean, yeah, um, four games, that sample size is a good measurement of where your team stands. So we shall find out. Once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod. Just the West, whether you check it out on Spotify or iTunes or any other outlets, don't forget Just the West Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace. <laughs>